This podcast is a segment of the book, Godly Grit, scheduled for publication in late spring or early summer 2021. It will be available at Amazon as a Kindle ebook, in paperback, and as an audiobook. What causes a loss of resilience with a subsequent slide into a life of despair? Why are some people resilient while others are not? What can we do to get more resilient? Trials and challenges are a fact of life. These trials and challenges can either make us stronger or gradually wear us down. Adversity comes in many forms. It can appear as the loss of a loved one, relationship stress, injustice, uncertainty, fear, or growing responsibilities. It can also present because of transgressions where you have wronged someone else, physical illness, mental illness, addiction, failure at work or school, or just the wear and tear of daily life. Stress and strain over time can lead to depletion of resilience or a fractured resilience, where we end up in a state of despair. Like a metal wire that is bent repeatedly at the same spot, our stability eventually breaks. A passage in the book of Psalms reads, Psalm 169, 20-21 Their insults have broken my heart, and I am in despair. If only one would turn and comfort me. But instead, they give me poison for food, they offer me sour wine for my thirst. Heartbroken, isolated, and in despair. That is the picture of a fractured resilience. When adversity strikes, there are three possible options to deal with it. In an attempt to retreat and regroup, a typical response is to explode in anger. Anger is isolating and can be used to gain some distance from people and issues. Another response is to become overwhelmed by the event and end up consumed by negative emotions. This method is the most common option used to deal with adverse events. It is also possible to become upset about the disruptive change but continue to move ahead with your life. This last option is the only approach that promotes well-being. It is employed by resilient people who become upset about the disruptive state and thus change their current pattern to cope with an issue. The first and second approaches lead people to adopt a victim's role and blame others while rejecting any practical coping methods, even after the crisis is over. These people prefer to react instinctively rather than responding to the situation contemplatively. Those who respond to the adverse conditions by adapting themselves tend to cope, spring back, and halt the crisis. The negative emotions of fear, anger, anxiety, distress, helplessness, and hopelessness, which dominate the life of the overwhelmed, decrease a person's ability to solve problems they face and weaken resiliency. 
constant fears and worries also weaken the immune system and increase vulnerability to illness. In a previous chapter, we looked at the behavioral approach pathway used to overcome adversity and gradually move towards a goal. Suppose the movements toward the desired goal is repeatedly blocked or the reward for achieving the desired goal is continuously disappointing. In that case, we need a mechanism to put the whole process on hold, a so-called movement towards a goal pause button. This pause button is called the behavioral inhibition system, where movement towards the desired goal is blocked and our efforts seem useless and frustrated. The behavioral inhibition system is active within the sipohippocampal system, the amygdala, and the basal nuclei. This area receives messages from the prefrontal cortex saying it is time to give up. It then sends norepinephrine stress messages to the rest of the body. This place of giving up is not a psychological vacation. It is a frustrated, smoldering flight and fight where there is no remaining energy for fight or flight. It is a smoldering, slow, wearing out of emotional energy and drive. The result is chronically elevated levels of norepinephrine, leading to chronic anxiety, an altered immune system, the release of white blood cells from the bone marrow, and a heightened level of inflammation, leading to increased risk of diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. When the behavioral inhibition system is activated, the nervous system responds by releasing glutamate, norepinephrine, cortisol, and adrenal corticotropic hormone. These are the messengers of chronic stress. The constant steady release of these neurotransmitters causes fatigue, inflammation, allergy, anxiety, poor sleep, and insulin resistance leading to diabetes. It will also cause immune suppression, increasing the risk of illness and cancer, hyperactivity, increased blood pressure, increased sensation of pain, headaches, rapid heart rate, nausea, vomiting, distractibility, and mental confusion. This pond of chronic distress and anguish can be unbearable. However, if we work on strengthening our resilience, we can find our way out of this pit of despair. Improved resilience has many benefits. One benefit is an improved ability to make realistic plans and then being capable of taking the necessary steps to follow through with them. Other benefits are improved and more accurate confidence in one's strengths and abilities with improvement in communication and problem-solving skills and improved ability to manage strong impulses and feelings. We should be doing what we can to become more resilient, and we should be training our children and grandchildren how to be more resilient. The American Psychological Association has published a list of 10 things you can do to improve your resilience. They advise maintaining good relationships with close family members, friends, and others. Try to avoid seeing crises as stressful events and unbearable problems. 
Learn to accept circumstances that cannot be changed. Develop realistic goals and move towards them and take decisive actions in adverse situations. They also advise looking for self-discovery opportunities after a struggle with loss. This can turn times of struggle into times of personal growth. Learn to develop self-confidence and keep a long-term perspective and consider the stressful event in a broader context. Learn to maintain a hopeful outlook, expect good things, and visualize your goals and dreams. Take care of your mind and body, exercise regularly, and pay attention to your own needs and feelings. These are good, helpful recommendations, but how do we do them? What stops us from moving in the direction of building resilience during times of trial and despair? What factors inhibit our growth? Many factors impact our resilience and inhibit our growth. They include genetic, epigenetic, survival factors, philosophical and theological factors, core belief and values factors, cultural and familial factors, personality factors, and immediate factors like illness, stress, fatigue, or poverty. It is essential to consider all these factors in developing a resilience model. I am proposing a philosophical, theological, psychological, environmental, and medical model of resilience. This model will help us uncover where and why our resilience is fracturing and the necessary steps to move forward with more resilience. If there is a major disruption in any of these areas, it can lead to weakened resilience. Still, if these areas are explored and addressed, the result will significantly improve your resilience. In the following chapters, we will look at some of the specific causes of life's significant anguish in more detail and how they destroy resilience. These resilience breakers are referred to in the Bible as strongholds used by Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. Resilience is the ability and strength to get up when knocked down. Resilience is a necessary quality if we expect to live our lives as God intended. Grit, as we will see in the next chapter, is a more expansive concept of resilience.